morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from a top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got gonzo also known as super g joining us on this monday andrew aka the cash flow king is here and we got the live chat to support us as well so i am very excited for today's show today on good morning crypto we will be discussing how one of the largest financial collapse on the planet is taking place in china today with over 300 billion dollars worth of chinese real estate being liquidated we discussed the impact that could have on the crypto market as google is now allowing their policy change to come into effect today with Bitcoin spot ETFs now being marketed on Google products. We're also going to discuss how Eleanor Tourette and Bloomberg analyst James Seyfert were discussing how an XRP spot ETF could be much could be approved much sooner than we anticipate, with a futures product not needing to be approved before a spot product hits the open market. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So I almost said Johnny Crypto. So I want to give a shout out to Johnny Crypto as well. I hope he's doing amazing today. But Gonzo, we've got some exciting news prepared. We've got an AVAX video where one of their co-founders is hinting at a partnership many of our listeners are going to be excited about. So I'm excited for that as well. How are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling good, man. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, I, I, I suffered a head injury over the weekend. You can't see the swelling, but, you know, it could have been so much worse. Uh, so uh, just dealing with that. But um, uh, I almost forgot what I was going to say. Uh, but I want to shout out to Shelly. It's her birthday today. So happy birthday, Shelly. Love you very much. She'll probably see this later because she's at work right now. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a great day. I'll probably take her out to dinner later on with her and the kids and stuff. So it should, should be an awesome time. That's awesome, Gonzo. And I hope you're feeling better soon, bro. We would give the details to our live chat, but you got to be in the academy to get those details, guys. And Andrew, I'm excited to have you on the show today as well. We've got some really great XRP news, but for the Solana community, Raul Paul made some new comments we're going to be breaking down as well. So first of all, how are you feeling? It's been a week. How was your ski trip? And thank you for being here. Yeah, good Good morning. Good Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, just back from, uh, from Austria, a week of skiing with wonderful snow, a lot of sunshine. It was a great trip. So uh, fantastic, you know, but still always looking at the market every day a little bit to took some profits automatically actually today. So if you want to learn how to do that, follow me uh, in my on my uh, website, andrewcashflow.com is better. So and see how we do it with a lot of people making cash all the time and uh, financing my holidays. So uh, I am looking forward, guys. Happy to be back. Gonzo apps. And uh, looking forward to a great show. Thank you so much, Cashflow. And we already got 315 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do, by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button if you're looking for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, guys, we are up about 3% across the board. We've got Flare Token up 3%, Solana up 2%, Chainlink is up 2%. But XRP is down about 1% on the day. When we look at our Merlin market update, we are sitting at 1.64 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 51% dominant. Ethereum is about 17%. 
We've got Bitcoin sitting at 42,600. Ethereum is 2273. We've got Solana token trading at $99.75. So on the precipice of being three digits once again. We've also got XRP trading at 52 cents this morning, guys. But we're going to waste no time because this is what's happening over in China as $300 billion are on the precipice of being liquidated. And we've got one of our friends, Echo, to break it down. So I'm going to show you a brief video explaining how even during the 2008 financial crisis, that was only a $20 billion liquidation. What's happening in China today is what? What's the math on that? 17 times or 15 times the amount of value is about to be liquidated into the open market. That's why this is so important. And we're talking about it to start the show. We already got 320 people here. Smash that button and let me know. What do you think about this news? Yo, is Tether, Bitcoin and Ethereum about to go down? Evergrande, China's second largest property developer, has finally been ordered to liquidate with an outstanding default balance of $300 billion. To put that into perspective, everything that happened back in 2008 by Bernie Madoff only caused $20 billion in damages. Still think it's a nothing burger? This is already causing some turmoils in the market as their stock has been halted. Now, why did I say USDT Tether, Bitcoin, and Ethereum? Well, it is speculated from this diagram above that $300 billion will be defaulted in Evergrande Group, right? Because of copyright purposes, I'm just going to skip through this portion of the video, and then we're going to discuss it openly, guys. But let's talk about the impact that a tether collapse could have on the markets. This is what Echo is breaking down. And with USDT Tether being the number three cryptocurrency by market cap with $96 billion, if that thing gets liquidated, can you imagine what it's going to do to the whole entire crypto market? And keep in mind, all of this right here is all speculation. But... We all understand that $300 billion is about to be defaulted on. And this might be the catalyst of the Black Swan event that start the domino effect to take out the whole entire system. And if that's the case, it's okay. We've been preparing for this, right? Because we got a new system coming in. This is why it's so important to know what you hold. Andrew, I'm going to give you the open floor and then I'll share my comments because I do think this is going to affect crypto, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Then we'll kick it to Gonzo. You know, it will be uh, it will have a, 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 a huge impact on the on on the at least on the China market if uh, if that company goes down. Uh, also worldwide, it will have impact. However, you know I also see opportunities. So what will happen? There will be panic in the market. Stocks will go down. Crypto will go down. Everything should be should be made liquid. So what will that be? That will be entry points for us so if you know what to buy if you know your companies if you know your crypto what to buy so there will be excellent buying opportunities coming up so i'm not looking with fear i'm, I'm not not invested in ever granted i'm not invested in china and uh but but uh, you know if you say uh i want to 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 wait for the bargains this could be an opportunity when when there is uh, shit then 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 yeah prices will go down and uh, I would say take advantage for it, but have a plan, not only an exit plan, but also an entry plan. How you go in, and of course, that what what I uh, I can guide you that in the in the smart investor uh, program. But uh, what's what's up to you, uh, Gonzo? What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of like <clears throat> in two thousand eight, like their Bear Stearns moment. Yep. Uh, you know, Evergrande going down. A lot of the wealth, uh, <laughs> a, a lot of the Chinese wealth is tied up in real estate. So, you know, it's a big deal for them. 
we've been expecting a correction. You know, I've been watching Bitcoin dominance. So Bitcoin dominance is starting to rise. It's kind of maybe it's creating a lower high in the structure or maybe we keep going up. Uh, and, you know, as long as Bitcoin is moving sideways or upwards, then we're fine. But it's the minute that, you know, Bitcoin dominance continues to rise and then Bitcoin decides to peel back is where the altcoins will have an issue. But uh, like what Andrew was saying, it's all opportunity, right? Like we might get going into February, probably the full moon of February, we might, <clears throat> we're going to get some more downside, but it might be like the last kind of final entries, spot entries that you can get before we have the Bitcoin ha having in that narrative. So then, you know, the next couple of months, all the RSIs are kind of resetting. So we're not doing anything unusual. It'll just be like the narrative that kind of gets attached to it. And you know what, for me, the more fear that they can cause and the more sellout that can cause, the better for us, right? The bigger the opportunities that we're going to get. And Andrew, one of the things that stuck out to me while reading up on these articles earlier today is that China, at some point they knew this was going to happen. This is a narrative that's been playing out since 2021. We knew Evergrande was defaulting on their debt for several years now, but here's what happened this morning. So China basically took the stance and Evergrande took the stance that they were going to build and innovate so much that eventually they would become a necessity for the Chinese government, right? This is my takeaway. It's all conspiracy, so don't come at me here. But one of the things that they did is they build, they were building without profit in mind. They were taking on $100 billion in debt, going and building these massive cities, massive pieces of real estate. And then before they were even realizing a profit, they were starting 25 other projects, not one, not two, but literally 20 other projects on the other side of the country. And eventually this debt bubble was going to collapse. So I do think this is some sort of a black swan, although we never talk about this, Gonzo, because we never talk about the fear mongering and the Tether collapse. But I do think at some point, Tether has never showed their connections and what they're holding on their balance sheets. I do think there could be some ties here to Chinese real estate and something on Tether's balance sheet. Now, we don't know. We won't know until they reveal what's on their balance sheet. But we can always speculate when we look at things like this the impact that it's going to have on the assets we hold. So if we're going to put a more positive approach on this, there's plenty of good things happening in the crypto market. And this is a primary example. As crypto is going commercial, Google policy update is welcoming spot Bitcoin ETF ads. That is starting today, Gonzo. So I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this is just one of the positive things that's happening in the crypto market. Me and Johnny and everybody else on this show has been saying for almost 12 months now, in 2024, the marketing campaign for of the century will start for crypto. This is a primary example. Google's going to advertise for them. After, uh, Amazon, Apple, all of these companies, including Microsoft, are going to advertise for crypto starting this year, and they're going to allow spot products to be in the USA. So huge catalyst. Give me some brief thoughts, and then we'll move on. Yeah, you know, I think you're spot on, Abs. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And if you remember when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, we didn't know that um, USDC had a portion of their reserves in that bank, right? And that's when we got that DPEG. Um, people have been talking about USDT like going to zero or having some kind of major issue for years now, right? I, I think that they're big enough now that they can absorb any kind of hit. But you're right. If, if it comes to find out that a lot of their reserves is tied up in Chinese real estate, you know, you could get uh, an effect where people start freaking out and we could see a DPEG. But I, I don't think USDT is going anywhere. They've been talking about USDT collapsing or going to zero for years. And I, I just don't I, I just don't see it. But, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I, let me say something about USDT. It, it's all about risk protection for yourself. 
So if you sell something, for example, you have Bitcoin, you take a little bit of profit and no matter what, and you can and you have only the possibility to sell it in USDT, then uh, convert your USDT back to dollars. Yeah, or in when you live in Euro, convert it back to euros. If it is a small amount, keep it on your crypto exchange. It doesn't matter so much. It, as long as, as if it is a big crypto exchange, like Coinbase, for example. And if you have a too big amount of fiat money, just move it back into your bank account. If you are not uh, uh, aiming to, to buy tomorrow or, or the day after uh, new, new crypto for that. So keep your exposure to USDT, USDC, and other stable coins. Just keep it low. And it doesn't make sense to keep a lot of money in USDT. Also not in your wallet. Just take it out and move it back to fiat as long as you don't need it in, in USDT. So that's a, that's a little bit of a warning and a, a risk protection me uh, method. Great point, Andrew. And I want to go to you first on this next article as well, because I was doing a little bit of research on the opposite end of these Bitcoin ETFs in the USA. And there's one company that's been very outspoken about a Bitcoin spot product. That's Vanguard. So check out this latest update from Vanguard that came during last week. I believe this was on January 25th. They stated with a staggering $7 trillion in assets under management, they're slamming the brakes on crypto products, citing Bitcoin's immaturity, lack of history, and absence of intrinsic value. What I stated here is, are they going to continue to do this? Are they going to die on this hill, Andrew? Or do you think Vanguard's going to be forced to adopt these assets? We know they've had hundreds, if not thousands of customers calling and asking for these products to be instilled. <laughs> you know, this is again such a fear kind of of narrative they want they i i think they maybe underestimated a little bit the the bitcoin uh, uh, narrative and they want to buy more at lower prices so that they can sell it to their customers at higher prices that's the only thing i, I can imagine about but that's why my my these major companies make such uh uh, the, the, the fear statements and you know what, what, I, what I'm also wondering is everybody said yeah if the Bitcoin ETF is there then uh, then uh, yeah Bitcoin will go to the moon again look how Bitcoin is moving it is not going to the moon at this moment but it builds up slowly so uh, you know grab your plan and 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 do your thing but uh, and, and don't worry too much what they are uh, calling out uh, about Bitcoin or ETFs in the, in the press. And Gonzo, I'm going to go to you first on this latest article. But guys, we already got 466 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Special thank you to Gonzo and Andrew this morning. If you didn't hear to start the show, Gonzo got smacked in the head and still made it to this episode. So shout out to my man. But Gonzo, I do want to start off with you. This is a founder at AVAX, possibly accidentally revealing a major partnership that's coming to the network. And this is focused on tokenization, guys. So keep in mind, tokenized assets are coming to fruition this year. This could be a great example. You know, I, I was with, uh, so it's for example, it'd be like someone, a big brand was saying, as soon as the Barbie doll leaves the Walmart shop, they lose full engagement with that uh, customer. So they're trying to create a five digital product. You know, there's an NFT associated with that Barbie and they can now know when they're going to see the movie Barbie. You know, I, I was with. So Gonzo, there's a saying for that. It's called a Freudian slip. So anybody who doesn't know what that means, just Google it. But what are your thoughts on AVAX founder talking about Barbie? Yeah, I mean, he's talking about the company is going to be Mattel, right? They created Barbie. Uh, and I saw the interview with Paul Barron, uh, with Paul Barron. And what he was talking about is just like 
customer engagement, right? And we've talked about this, like the next version of NFTs isn't going to be like JPEG pictures or whatever. It's going to be like loyalty programs, right? Or creating some type of NFT so that once you buy the Barbie, it keeps the person um, within your ecosystem. It keeps them involved. And the example he gives, then, then you could airdrop a movie ticket to these people on the NFT, right? Or if they have some kind of uh, meet and greet, right? Or if they have some kind of specials, but you're going to see this more and more with companies pivoting into the NF to their NFT platforms. And it's going to be some type of kind of like rewards program or kind of point system so that if you stay in their ecosystem or you're involved in their ecosystem, they can reward you directly, right? They could even create a token like Barbie bucks and you can use that for events or, or special kind of access to, to their ecosystem. Sorry about that, Gonzo. Andrew, we are going to break down some XRP information right now, but this is a very exciting clip about the future that's being built today. So right now we are seeing the biggest companies on the planet shift into digital assets, but tokenization is yet to take effect. Let's listen to what a member of the Digital Pound Foundation has to say about XRP and possible collaborations in the USA. Cryptocurrencies in terms of native cryptos like XRP, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, you know, they're not all the same, right? They're not all created equal. Um, I think what's becoming much more popular in the industry now is more sustainable technologies. So the XRP ledger and XRP is, um, there's no mining or proof of, stake of work, proof of work or proof of stake involved. So the, the, the computational cost of, uh, you know, validating transactions is almost zero, right? Very, very low cost and very stable in terms of, in terms of pricing. Um, stable coins, again, not all created equal. Um, you have a massive range from the algorithmic type stable coins. You know, we all know the Terra story from a few weeks ago. Uh, and then now what we're seeing emerging is, um, you know, stable coins being issued by regulated entities. So I can't give you the names yet, but there's two projects we're working on, one in the UK and one in the US, working with banks that are regulated um, who will be issuing stable coins and the reserves um, will likely to be held at a central bank in a central bank account. So very different from the algorithmic uh, stable coin. Andrew, I'd love to pause it there and just get some of your comments. What were your takeaways from that brief clip? He, he's telling actually a lot. And what, what I took away was that, uh, um, you know, if I would be a central government or a central bank, and I was looking for a CDBC, uh, then I, I would scan the markets and I would find uh, uh, partners that can, or I can find uh, uh, companies that can work with me, with, for example, to bridge a fiat currency into, into crypto. And I have a little bit of feeling here that he calls stablecoin, and that will be by regulated entities, does that sound like CDBC? Because in the end, CDBC is also a stable coin because it should be uh, the same with, uh, with, 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 with the dollar. So I'm not so sure what he's meaning here. I think uh, uh, CDBC is now a little bit uh, you know, polluted term. People don't like it. They, they, uh, they, they think it, it, it's wrong. So maybe when they start calling it stable coin, maybe they are just switching a little bit the, the, the terminology for the same thing. So we, we will see what happens. 
Exactly. And I'm going to go to Gonzo first after this next portion of the clip, Gonzo. Here we go. You know, we, we as Ripple work across all of these technologies. And then, of course, your central bank digital currencies, which uh, essentially is the, um, the highest form of digital currency, right? Issued by the central bank, backed by the central bank, the most secure form. Um, as a company who's working across the payment space, you know, we're embracing all of these. We see they will all play their part in the future of, of money. Um, I mean, today, cryptocurrency is less than 1% of all the money. Central bank money is less than 10%. The rest is all commercial bank money. So it will be interesting to see you know, in five or 10 years, you know, how does that look when it's all digitized? You know, will stable coins be 90% of the market and CBDCs 10%? Or will CBDCs actually be allowed to grow and be a much higher percentage of the money supply? I, I don't know. That's for the policy makers to decide. So Gonzo, his narrative is very interesting. And I just want to remind people of this illustration on the, on the screen. He has three categories, right? Central bank digital currencies, stable coins, and then cryptocurrencies. What did he just use say in that analogy? He says over the next five to 10 years, I think that 90% of the market will be considered these stable coin categories and 10% will be central bank digital currency categories. Well, what happened to the crypto category, Gonzo? I'm going to give you the open floor and then we'll discuss it. Yeah, definitely. You know, central bank digital currencies are coming. It's just going to depend on like for us, this new election, right? Who, who becomes president and how they feel. You can see it's already been kind of a narrative that's been discussed. I think Trump brought it up. Uh, because of talking to Vivek, you know, he's against central bank digital currencies. We know that uh, Elizabeth Warren with her, you know, anti-crypto army, she's all for CBDCs. So you already see like a split from the left and right are going to be pro and against. Um, I think a version of them are coming. When we get regulation, we're probably going to get the first types of regulation that we're going to get them to agree on is going to be some kind of stable coin, right? Um, and then from there, it just depends on what backs it, right? Um, as the government comes out with their CBDCs, it's going to be backed by like the government, right? That's what's going to give it value. Some of our other stable coins, like when you look at USDT, USDC, it's usually backed by cash and then uh, treasuries, right? Algorithmic is what happened with Luna, where it was backed by another cryptocurrency and it crea created a death spiral. So those have not worked out. So I think we're going to get somewhere, you're going to get like different versions of it. Some are going to be backed by gold. And this kind of falls into that whole real world assets kind of narrative also, right? Because you're going to have not just cryptos that are backed by real world assets, but you're going to have stable coins that are backed by real world assets, like backed by gold and uh, what we've already talked about, treasuries, bonds, things like that. But they're coming, right? So the only question is, how can we position ourselves to profit, right? And I think that's that big discussion about Ripple where everyone hates central bank digital currencies, but we understand that they're coming and that now you have Ripple that's coming in and leveraging their technology to build these things for different countries. Andrew, and remember this too, we already have, and Gonzo makes a great point, we already have a gold stablecoin that exists in the market today. And we've heard it from big players like Mark Yusko, Larry Fink, Anthony Scaramucci, all of the biggest, most powerful players in the crypto sphere are now shifting to the idea of tokenization. And we have this Mark Yusko clip we're going to play, but I wanted to give you the chance to comment on what Gonzo said and also the second part of that article, because that, that separation from cryptocurrencies to stablecoins to CBDCs, that's what really caught my attention, but I want to know what stuck out to you. Yeah, you know, I, we, we know that central banks and governments, they don't like crypto because they lose control. So, but, but the positive part here is that they talk about CDBCs, 
in the same picture we saw the, 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 the stable coins. So at least they are willing to talk about stable coins already. I think that's, that's positive. And, you know, from a technology point of view, if it is possible that crypto can exist, it will exist. And there will always be a way to figure out how to work around governmental issues and central bank issues. So I think in future, we will have several uh, 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 cryptocurrencies or CDBCs or payment systems, crypto, stablecoin, CDBCs, but also in fiat money, we will get a second system. Don't forget about that. See what's looking and what, what the BRICS countries are doing. They are also building up a new uh, uh, fiat currency system. So I'm, I'm really interested how this will cooperate together. And I think even that uh, XRP can be an excellent uh, intermediate crypto between all these kind of, uh, of payment systems. So uh, yeah, I think we are looking forward to a wonderful future and at least with diversification and options for people to choose. And that's what democracy is. We need to have alternatives and options to choose and not a government that tell you, you need to do or you have to do or you are not allowed to. No, we want to have options. And I think we are slowly migrated into that direction. I agree with you, Andrew. And I like the optimistic picture you're painting, guys. We already have 535 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And here's how I know that so many of our listeners are going to become extremely wealthy if they have the right mindset, Andrew. We are here before the tokenization wave, right? Central bank digital currencies, those are a little bit further down the road. Those are maybe three, four, five years away. When we talk about tokenization, this is going to come into effect during 2024. And that's why I'm so excited for this year because we're going to have the opportunity to make huge amounts of wealth over the next 24 months. And it's up to us to capitalize on that, guys. So let's listen to Mark Yusko and then talk about it. Here we go. Every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity, every piece of art, every bottle, fine wine, every collectible car, every piece of real estate, every private business, every everything, everything of value in the world will eventually be a token. And people were sniggering and, and like, yeah, whatever. And, and now we know it's true, right? Y'all are, are proof positive. The talent migration into this space that has recognized that this adoption of technology, this evolution, it's not a revolution, it's an evolution of technology, that everything of value will be a token on a blockchain. Not a coin, not a thing. It's literally a line item on a public ledger. Everything of value will be that. And every transaction of value will happen in digital assets. Every and that's pretty much a mic drop moment, Gonzo. But when we had Mark Yusko on the show, I showed him a Larry Fink clip where he said, every stock, every bond will be tokenized. And Mark said, well, it's always flattering when you see one of the most powerful men on the planet stealing your lines. So Mark was basically saying, he said it first, he deserves the credit, but I want to get your take and then uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's right. And that's why you see these guys pushing this narrative. Uh, we go back to 2008 and the collapse of Bear Stearns. And what they found is that it was a huge mess. Nobody knew who owned what, right? Because it had been levered so many times. So it's a good, like what he's talking about is the evolution. It's almost like not just having it as a line item on a ledger, but it's also serialized, right? So it can't be duplicated. Um, it's there, it's on the ledger, and then you can prove ownership, right? And it's also like with the tokenization of assets, it makes it more liquid, right? And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about 
is liquidity and being able to move that value from one chain to the other chain, right? We've talked about this where if you want to sell some gold and you want to buy a Japanese stock, that's there's a lot of friction in between that 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 transaction, right? Where you want to go from one to the other. But when you tokenize everything or you bring everything onto the blockchain, it's much easier to do because you can access a liquidity pool and then you can sell one and then grab the other one and you can move that value from one place to the other. That's basically what he's talking about. Andrew, do you have any quick uh, thoughts? We're going to get into an exciting article next, guys, where we talk about how a senior manager for business development is being hired by Ripple in the state of New York. And one of their key responsibilities is ETF related. So that's how we're going to start the ETF conversation. But Andrew, I'd love to know some of your thoughts about what Gonzo had to say. Yeah, I think he's totally right. You know, uh, we are looking to a bright future with tokenization and uh, there is not, not much to say about it. We just have to be patient till the market figure it out. And there is a lot of education to do for many people until they understand it. And you know, that, that, that what Mark Josko was talking about, that bottle of wine and, uh, and that car. And there is also an ownership title somewhere centrally uh, 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 administered. So it doesn't make too much sense to keep that all centralized. If you can decentralize it on a blockchain and a token, it would the whole administrative stuff for 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 ownership would make stuff so much easier. And also to transfer ownership from one person to another, you can cut out a lot of lawyers and and other legal stuff for 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 serious. Uh, transactions, but for selling a bottle of wine, just a simple bottle of wine, which is also on that, that same blockchain or on another blockchain, doesn't matter. You know, it's so easy. So actually, it everything will become easier, more efficient. And that that's uh, yeah, that's what the future that I see. I agree with you, Andrew. And we're excited to get into this next article, guys, because tokenization, ETFs, all of these conversations, they were speculation just eight months ago. This is what's so exciting about crypto. This market changes in the blink of an eye. That means the price charts do the same thing, guys. So check out this latest article from Ripple. I found this update. I believe it was on Friday. Ripple is on the lookout for a senior manager for business development in New York. Now, what's important about this is that within the job description, we get a hint at what could be on the precipice here. As one of the key responsibilities for this new position is going to be to dot, uh, drive cryptocurrency-related ETF initiatives with internal trading teams and relevant partners. That is huge. We've got some more conversations to talk about because Ellie Tourette took the time to respond to me in uh, in response to that tweet. And we had a great uh, dialogue about, do we need a futures product before we get a spot product with XRP? A Bloomberg analyst says, no, we could see a spot XRP product before a futures product, which is really interesting. And we're going to break down that conversation. But Andrew, what are some of your biggest takeaways from the key responsibilities here? Obviously, I'm going to read one more here because I thought this one was very important as well. Their responsibility is going to be build a sustainable ecosystem and generate demand through identification of financial institutions, including institutional investors and other partners who are invested or interested in investing in tokenized real world assets. So another massive catalyst is in this job title's responsibility. And remember this, guys, where did the where did the SEC case take place? New York City. So perfect jurisdiction to combat all this stuff. But Andrew, love to get your thoughts and we'll go to Gaza. Yeah, this is, this is real, again, a great find, uh, uh, fantastic. So, I mean, 
companies normally like to hide a little bit what they are doing, but as soon as they need somebody to hire, at least they have to give a job description and have to tell to the market, hey, we are looking for a guy with this and this capabilities. So who's there? So and, and you have you are you're finding it. So that's great. And uh, yeah. Now, if only I qualified for the job, Andrew, that's when it would get really exciting. If I qualified for this thing, then we could celebrate. But I want to give a shout out to the digital asset investor because he's the one who pointed me in the right direction here. So I made sure to source him as well. But this is just a very, very exciting find. No, no, no. It is at least this position. I think I can do something about it, but it's a little bit above my pay grade. So <laughs> I will skip this one. You're on mute. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Gonzo. Sorry, what were your takeaways? Uh, you know, James Seifert is the ETF expert. So if he says so, like the whole thing with the futures product thing, it was following the narrative or the case law of what happened with Grayscale, right? And that they had the Bitcoin futures product. And so uh, the SEC lost the Grayscale case. They lost the ability to continue to deny it. And now we have it approved. That's why they filed for a futures um, Ethereum ETF, right? And where the assumption is now, if you follow the same kind of logic with the law, that they're going to have to approve the spot ETF, right? Now, this is kind of something different. What he's saying is that you don't need a futures product to actually create a spot product. Like you could just create the spot product. So I'm going to lean into what he says. Uh, we'll see. Like if the if the SEC wasn't willing to play ball before, you know, that would definitely show us a shift in where the SEC is at. And so, um, but yeah, like he's the expert. I, I could tell you this, whether it gets approved or not, just the narrative alone would push the price up, right? Because yeah. everyone would start to pile in trying to get ahead of a approval, right? So we would need something like this to start to move the price action upwards, right? Here's so really any kind of talk here. about a spot ETF. Gonzo, we're talking about the ETF and we're going to dive into this article. I just wanted to address this comment. So this person, Iris, is talking about the possibility of a cyber attack and how that seems like an imminent issue for a crypto product. Well, there's two things. And I, first of all, I agree. Cyber attack narrative is always going to exist. It was the number one narrative during the 2020 bull run. But um, what my point was here is that, first of all, crypto, they're already capable of running without the Internet. There are products that exist today where if the Internet is down, you can still transfer your crypto assets. Number two would be because of the decentralized nature of crypto assets. Like if you're going to, if you're going to hack into the XRPL, for example, how are you going to hack into 40 validators simultaneously without anybody preventing you from doing that? So like, there's a lot that goes into this and it wouldn't be as simple as a simple, oh, the power goes out. Nobody can use their blockchain three years from now, guys. I think off internet transactions will be much more common but they're not going to be as easily accessible as we're talking about here. So it's going to take time. We're going to need centralized entities to develop these things. But eventually, if the internet goes down, we're not going to have to worry. We won't be able to give our give away our money, right? I just wanted to make that point. But getting back to the, Gonzo, you have a comment? No, I think you're spot on. Like, you know, when it comes to like those cyber attacks or what have you, like if the internet goes down, like I, I think that our cryptocurrency is the least of our issues. But like Andrew always likes to remind us, you know, our cryptocurrency is on the blockchain. So it's always there. So as soon as you get everything back up, it should still be on the blockchain. And the and this person's making some great points here. Like he says right here, Jeff Reagan, there's no privacy on the ledger. I know your wallet so I can know your transactions. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you control my transactions, right? Yeah, you can see I went to the grocery store. Go ahead, uh, Andrew. And, and, and then still, you know, imagine a whole data center goes down. 
10 data centers go down, there are always backup systems. So they will just be down for a while if all the power goes down. And by the way, there are all those backup power systems. So normally it always runs, it, it could continue running. But if you know a little bit about data centers, if they go down, you know, they will, they will have a, a, a normal shutdown. They will come up again. They will reload the, the, the backup data in the system. And the system is up and running again. And it is impossible that in the whole world, all the data centers, for example, for XRP will go down. And still, if that will go down everywhere, then it doesn't matter because maybe it's down for half an hour, maybe an hour, half a day. Uh, you know, it will be an impact on, on transactions, but transactions are either uh, uh, confirmed or not confirmed. And then it will go back up, backups are reloaded, systems will stabilize again, and we go further where we were. So don't worry about a, a blackout or, or, or other, or other, 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 other crackdowns or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. All those systems are designed for 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 security for for stability for 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 keeping data consistent so i won't worry too much about all those uh, blockouts or or blackouts or whatever yes and there's a and this person's asking a lot of questions guys but we got 570 people here show us some love smash that like button and there's a lot that we can talk about in this episode but i want to play one more video for you guys so this is stefan thomas a ripple employee talking about their business model and how it just happened. They're building the best product in the market. Let me make this very simple. Ripple's goal is to create the best, simplest product in the market. So when banks figure out this stuff, they come to Ripple. That's what he's highlighting here. And as you can tell, David Schwartz is sitting next to him on stage. We also just talked about how they do have an American collaboration in the works. Remember that, Andrew. Previously in the episode, we showed a video. There is an American collaboration in the works for Ripple. Let's see what Stefan Thomas has to say. Here we go that kind of lock-in. I often like to compare uh, Ripple to Cisco because Cisco, they didn't need to own TCP IP. They didn't need to make it proprietary. They benefited plenty by being the best uh, vendor for um, sort of enterprise-grade routers. And so what we want to be is like the best vendor for enterprise-grade routers for money. And we want P to be the best asset um, for, for routing money. And so... Um, at the height of the um, of the internet boom, uh, actually became the largest company in the world by market cap. Just to give you an idea of how big that of an opportunity that could be, and so for us, that's that's plenty big. And in fact, if we didn't pursue this kind of strategy, if we pursued a strategy like you know, so let's say the Bitcoin maximalists, where you're trying to get everyone to use your particular currency and your thing, then the risk that you're taking is that some other interoperability solution does come out. And then other people are optimizing their solutions for that world and you have missed the boat. And so we think it's very important to build for like an interoperable future where there is a lot of competition because driving us to um, have very high efficiency and, and very good user experience and so on. A lot of positive things in that clip, Andrew. I'm going to give you the floor and we'll kick it straight to Gonzo. I like the, I like the, the analogy, analogy of uh, the, the routers with Cisco. You know, and he called it money routers. And that's what I'm already telling for years. You know, I can send you apps and Gonzo and everybody here. I can send a text message. I can send a photo. I can send music. I can send everything. But I can't send money in a, in a second to somebody. You know, there, is, there needs to be an intermediate uh, between that. 
So uh, I, I like it very much what this guy says. And, and about competition, I think in crypto also we need competition. And I wish we had a second party that is comparable with XRP, you know, X, XRP and Ripple. Why? Because that also drives competition and competition drives innovation, creates uh, 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 yeah, innovative thoughts and innovative products. So, you know, there will be many solutions for maybe the, the or many many vendors for the same or many solutions for the same yeah, uh, 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 type of service and i think that's good and that's what we need and that's why we also need to and i come back to those governments and cdbc's we also need to compete and we need to have competing uh, uh, technology for fiat and, and cdbc's and then we'll see who wins the game and uh, i'm sure it will be balanced but uh, that's what we need in uh, in the near future, and and it's coming. And this is another article, Andrew, that we're going to break down later in the show, where validators are departing from Ripple's development as they're trying to make changes to the XRP Ledger Foundation. It's not what it seems. We've got some comments from David Schwartz, and it's not a totally negative catalyst here, guys. Somebody made a proposal, and they're debating it openly. But we got 590 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're enjoying this conversation, give a special shout out to Gonzo for making the time this morning. But Gonzo, there was a lot of important things that happened within that clip. He talked about XRP in particular being the best product for Ripple system, but they also allow you to use other currencies because if they don't, somebody else will. So it's actually an innovative mindset. It's not like they're leveraging towards Litecoin. They just want to give people the opportunity. You want to pay more to use Litecoin? Floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good analogy with the TC, uh, CC, TC, I say CCIP, it's TCIP, where it was a connection point, right? It allowed all of the email, allowed all of the internet to connect to, because uh, before that, remember, the internet was a bunch of like networks that were kind of siloed off. And this was a connection point, right, that happened on the back end. So now we can move information uh, in the, as you saw the evolution of web one, web two, web three, right? It, it made it easier for information to flow and we're able to do what we're doing now, right? Like I'm in California and you're in, in Florida and uh, cash flow is in the Netherlands, right? It's gonna be the same thing with money, right? It allows a connection point so that money could flow. XRP is built for that, right? Because it happens so quickly, doesn't matter if you're in US dollars or you're in the yen or whatever it is, right? So it's a good analogy because it is a connection point that's going to bring value to all these different systems and it's going to allow them to connect together. And Gonzo, this is a great example of how AI can be helpful because this is an image that I was able to generate and it's very simple, but I could never do this without artificial intelligence. So shout out to the AI products. Continue to use those for your, to your own benefit, guys. Here's some pretty cool stats about the XRP ledger from the last three years, Gonzo. So XRP addresses have nearly doubled since the, uh, are, and they're up a whopping 170% since 2020. With XRP ledger adoption on the rise, there's over 5 million active wallets now holding a balance above zero. This alone with almost 6 million transactions between wallets in this month alone. So there's a lot of activity happening on the XRPL. And I think these are two stats that are a great example. I do have an article that corresponds to this, Andrew, but how would you feel? For example, and I'm going to bring the stats to, to back this up. How would you feel if you found out that over 4 million of these wallets had less than 500 XRP? Would that affect these stats in your perspective? I mean, who cares? Okay. The, more wallets, the, the more wallets we have, the better. I mean, 
why why are airdrops invented just to spread the crypto coins over several wallets so the more wallets we have i mean it, it's great i mean uh, every every citizen in the us has dollars in his pocket why because then you can do something with it that's why adoption of dollars is so so big because you can pay in every shop so as soon as adoption of 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 xrp is bigger and bigger and bigger and more wallets and more wallets so the 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 usability of xrp only will go up so i'm, I'm happy that the, 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 yeah and even with small amounts it doesn't matter get used to it and uh, it's it's not only for the big players it's also for the small players and 500 xrp that's also uh, what is it uh, 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 300 10 dollars or so no not 10 dollars 500 xrp <laughs> it'll be 250 about 250 dollars okay yeah uh, andrew uh gonzo floor is yours sorry no it's you know i think you're right it's a network effect right and and so it feeds itself so you know you have all these active wallets right so the more active wallets that you have the more that developers are going to pay attention and then it'll bring developers that are going to build applications that already have the wallets that start to interact with the applications that they build and it's a network effect right it continues to grow so that's one of the statistics that we're always looking at we're looking at developer activity we're looking at wallet addresses we're looking at actual transactions are there transactions actually happening on the network how many transactions is their volume things like that right it's like a one big network effect and so the more activity that you have the more attention that it brings and the more things that are built on top of it and the more things that are built on top of it the more kind of network effect that it brings into it so um uh, I, I see abs kind of stepped off the screen there for a second um but yeah uh but to address what we were talking about kind of in the chat you know, we've talked about this with Waters Above as far as like, we understand it's in the name, right? Blockchain, right? It's a chain, right? We understand eventually where they're going with this, with CBDC control, things like that. All you can do is position yourself the best possible to try to profit, right? Because this is going to become the 12th sector, right? It's going to become its own asset class. And now just imagine living in the times of the stock market, right? When they used to say that the stock market was pure speculation, right? And think about all the major families and, and all the money that was made at the inception of the stock market. So we're lucky enough to be living through a time frame where they're building a brand new asset class and we're able to build positions and to get into this early before most people are even becoming aware of it. And that's what it's all about for me. And Andrew, that's why I asked you that question because a lot of the responses that I was getting on Twitter were, well, if you look at the stats closely, there's only 4 million wallets with 500 XRP. Guys, the number of wallets has tripled since 2019 alone. That means in the first eight years, all that development was tripled in a matter of four years, right? And that might be a weird way of stating it, but just think of it. It's like a snowball going down a hill. It's just gaining more and more momentum over time. And I think this is a great example of some of the stats that exist today. So we got 580 people here. Show us some love and smash that like button. If you weren't here at the beginning of the episode, we talked about the Evergrande collapse, so I'll time segment this show afterwards, and you can skip right to that section. But this is an email that I found from somebody on Twitter that I wanted to break down and get Gonzo and Andrew's opinion on. So Gonzo and Andrew, I'm going to read this, and I'll kick it straight back to you guys. This is from Ch Ch Chad Steingrabber. I don't know if that's his real name on Twitter. And he said, this is something I had from 2021. They were planning XRP. Plans were delayed. 
plans are all, but the plans are still the same. So I'm going to read directly from this email live chat. Let me know what you think as well. He, they said, Vincent, we don't disagree. We think the current market situation, the real helpful piece of information to focus on is the bank established recently in Anchorage, the hope for the coming days, based on what we see, we are predicting the end of March to early April for a full transition and reestablishing one combined ledger. Once the market is flooded with real volume, the available shares we are seeing in the real-time price of $260 based on the estimates of real market evaluation. Hopefully, these numbers will be realized with the new transitions being introduced. This is from an account executive at Goldman Sachs located in New York City, uh, EXT109. So I think that's like his office number or something there, Andrew. But this is what caught my attention. This is 2021. And these articles always come around. This is a secret value of XRP. We saw a glitch to 5,000. We heard from the Susie girl, the Goldman Sachs executive, that in two to seven months, XRP's trading volume was going to come to fruition and we were going to see a $200 XRP. That was a quote. We covered that on our show. That happened last August. We are approaching the seven month mark. And I don't know if my eyes are, maybe I need glasses, but I think I see 52 cents in the price chart. So I don't know if there's a two, 200 in front of that Gonzo, but um, on a more serious note, I just wanted to get you guys opinion. Like, do you look into this at all? Does this invent, does this like type of mindset come into effect when you're investing in tokens? We continue to see these narratives around XRP but none of them have come to fruition when it comes to real-time trading volume. I'd like to start with Gonzo and then we'll go to Andrew. What are some of your thoughts? No, I mean, I don't, I pay attention to things like that because we're an opinion show and we talk about those kind of things. But as far as my investment thesis, look, it's still an attention market. We're still kind of like in this speculation phase where they're building infrastructure. So it's an attention game, right? So the projects that get the most attention usually get positive price action. And I've been saying this, we just need a catalyst, right? We need a new narrative. The cross-border payments took us so far in 2017, and we just need something new. Now, in the meantime, they're continuing to build, right? They've got these partnerships. They have all these things that are extremely bullish for Ripple, the company, and that I think eventually, as you transition into a utility phase, will be bullish for it, right? But right now, it's kind of like a speculation phase, and so you need a narrative, right? And so that's why I always talk about whether... It's them coming out with a, uh, like the narrative of a spot ETF, right? That's a strong narrative or Ripple going public or even like this Netflix documentary that we've talked about. When that hits, it's going to bring attention. And usually that brings people to start FOMOing in, right? And so that, that's what we need. We just need a spark. Andrew, I'd like to get some of your thoughts because I think, uh, first of all, I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in the message of XRP and the, the vision of XRP. But I just don't like how people are getting burned on Twitter, right? It's like if you come into this market and you think a 50 cent token is going to go to $200, that means when it goes to $50, you're going to have zero appreciation for that profit that you're setting up, you're setting yourself up to get hurt. And that's the only reason we're addressing it on the show. It's not that I don't want these things to come to fruition. The best thing that could happen would be a $260 XRP, guys. We'd have a studio for this show at that point. But at the, but on a more serious note, Andrew, it's like, I just don't want people to get hurt. I was that type of person. When I entered this market, I was a Bitcoin guy. I found out about the altcoins. I invested in XRP in early 2020, about January, February 2020. So I've been through this whole thing before the SEC lawsuit. And one of the biggest things about XRP is these dramatically high price targets. We don't hear that with Solana. You don't hear it with Ethereum. Maybe you hear 10 grand for Ethereum. Maybe you hear $1,000 for Solana. But nobody's sitting there telling you that Ethereum is going to be a million dollars in 2025. 
yet these narratives exist in the XRP community. So is there any validity here? That's kind of my question I have for you, Andrew, and then whatever else catches your attention. You know, the 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 the, the, the people who want to make the most money with uh, with, with, with a crypto are normally not the re retail ones. Yeah, they are dreaming about a lot of money. You know, let me give you an example. This morning I had I had a chat with 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 a lady. She was interested in the in the smart investor course, and uh, we talked about the exit plan for XRP. She said, "Yeah, I have my first exit point at twenty one dollars, and the second exit point at twenty seven. I said, "Great." I said, "But what if in the next boring XRP only goes to twenty, and then it goes back to uh, maybe three dollars again? How would you feel?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a good exit plan. So imagine, make it higher, make it $260. Imagine it goes only up to 250. And you say, oh, it will go higher and it will go back to maybe 20. You feel really bad. So that's why you need a decent exit plan with like, like an elevator, you know, the elevator stops on every floor and you offload a little bit of your money. And, you know, it is impossible to sell at the top. Yeah, from hindsight, everybody can see, oh, yeah, I had to sell at that moment. Oh, it was so easy. No, it wasn't easy because everybody said it will go higher. In the last boring, there were so many uh, uh, influencers that were talking about Bitcoin. It will go to a million. Yes, it will go to a million, but maybe in the next 12 to 16 years and not in this building. So that's why you need your maybe we, have, we need to introduce the elevator approach exit plan so every floor you stop and you sell a little bit and that's how you make the money and you feel great if you then see the the, the price dropping you say i did it i sold part of my bitcoin i sold part of my other cryptos my xrp and i took the profit and i can do some investments other investment less risky investments you can go to stocks it's also what I teach in the, in, the, in the investor course. You can go to, uh, to to gold and silver. You can go to real estate. And that's how you build your, your financial freedom step by step. But please, yeah. everybody, don't, don't rely on what all those YouTubers and, and this kind of articles are telling you. Create your own exit plan and stick to it. That, that's the message here. Absolutely, Andrew. And I got a couple things to say before the end of the show. So first of all, I do think the market's going to change dramatically when two things come into effect. Central bank digital currencies and tokenization. Those two things are real narratives that are going to take place. So the cyber attack stuff, the black swans, the, the trillion dollar tokenization behind the scenes, like there are real narratives that are going to change people's lives. And why don't we just focus on those instead of these drastically high price targets? That's why you got to have a plan. When you go into these bull markets, you need to have a plan. And I think we never give financial advice, and this is not financial advice. But one of the things that I do for myself is if I enter a $10 trade and I make, and these are hypothetical numbers, and I make $10 profit, now I have $20 in value. I take my initial 10 out of the market and I'm playing with house money. So you do this at whatever scale you'd like. You can apply this to your own stuff. But that's something that I found was very helpful for me when I first got into trading back when, you know, in 2017, that was like one of the first things that you learn in these courses that they'll sell you for a thousand dollars, guys. So it's very important to get in, create an exit plan, and then stick to your plan. That's why we have cash flows course. That's why we have Johnny Crypto's application. These types of things are very, very helpful. And, and I've used them myself. 
But check it out. 30 days absolutely free down below for Merlin and Gonzo. we got about four minutes left. What's on your mind? I'm just going to say, you know, and the other thing that happens when you when you pull a little bit of profit is it, it gets you used to selling. And you want to get that all out of the way, the emotions of that, the earlier in the cycle, right? Uh, because I'm telling you, if you haven't sold at all and you've been holding on, when it comes time to hit the sell button, it's going to be really hard, right? Especially when you're talking about bigger numbers. And I found that as I like learned to pull a little bit of profit, like what you're saying, getting your initial investment out, it gets you used to it. So the fact to where now when things happen, it's much easier to sell. If you've never sold and you're stuck in that kind of psychological, like it's like a trap, right? When it goes up to $5, $7, and now you're trying to pull your initial investment out, you're going to stare at it and you're going to stare at it and you're going to stare at it. I'm telling you, and that's why Merlin's awesome because you just need to just execute, but you still have to execute, right? And so you could still talk your yourself out of it. It's so important to have a plan and to stick to your plan. But that's another thing that I've learned through my journey is that when I've been able to kind of pull a little bit of profits, every time it's made it easier and easier where, where I remember the first time I did it, I was staring at it. I was debating it, right? Uh, and then one of the easiest times was the Solana trade, right? When I put it into Merlin, I got the alert and I was on one of the calls, one of the update calls with Jackie. As soon as I got off the call, I went and I sold. And it actually was better for me because the price went up $2. I think it went up even more. Uh, by the time I had pull profit. So just yep. make sure that you're practicing those kind of things before we get in the in the peak bull run where the market is super frothy and, and you know everybody's telling you that we're going to five to D9. <laughs> right, Conso. Guys, and thank you so much for sticking out through the entire show. We have a ton of loyal, you know, listeners and supporters. So just want to take an opportunity to say thank you for being here every single day. And I also want to give a special thank you to Gonzo Andrew and Johnny Crypto. They're so committed both on the show and behind the scenes. So shout out to you guys. Just want to give an attitude of gratitude this morning, but let's break down some of the final stats for this show because we asked the live chat what their opinion of uh, what their opinion was on whether Gary Gensler will approve an XRP spot ETF during his tenure as chairman of the SEC. 66% of our listeners believe he will not approve an XRP ETF during his tenure. I'd like to hear uh, some really quickly, Andrew, what are your thoughts? I want to have time for Gonzo too. Uh, double agenda of Gary Gensler. Double agenda. Already, you know, for, for, for a while. I, I saw also another article of you in the, the preparation. So that they, they, they are still fighting. They keep fighting. You know, it's just the ego of the SEC and, and, and Gary himself that they want to keep fighting. And, and I don't know why what his double agenda is, but there is a double agenda. They want to slow down crypto to get the, 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 the major institutions in an advantage position. But uh, guys, don't get subtracted from this kind of stuff. Uh, you don't need to have to invest in XRP uh, ETF. You can just invest yourself in uh, in XRP and go from there. And if it comes, it will come anyway. Maybe it takes another year. I don't know, but it will come there. Thank you, Andrew and Gonzo. We are going to end the show right here. Just give me a yes or no. Do you think it happens? Approval? Will Gary Gensler approve? No, he's not. But we don't we don't need him to. We just need the narrative, right? Just like the ETH, uh, spot ETF. Whether they're approved or not doesn't matter. It's the narrative of everyone jumping into the trade. Shout out to Gonzo. Shout out to Andrew. A special thank you to both of you guys. We got 565 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm wishing you an amazing Monday out there. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining Let's go. Thank you, Gonzo. Thank you, Andrew.